Luke chapter 2. Beginning at verse 9. <clears throat> and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It's prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask now a blessing upon not only the reading of thy word, but the preaching of thy word of God. We pray that, Lord, you'd give us understanding this morning. Lord, help us, Father, we pray, as thy children, to see the divine truth within these words. And help us to glorify you. Lord, we love you and thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, that's unusual. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You know, I'm often amazed, as I've said before, and greatly humbled, how God providentially leads me to that passage of Scripture, which I believe is presently most necessary and essential for the spiritual nourishing of His people. I remember as a young pastor, I often spent hours struggling to find that perfect text which I felt most comfortable to preach on. Yet over the years, by God's grace, I've learned, yet not fully apprehended, to wait on God while reading and meditating in His Word and also to observe his divine providence in matters of life, death, sorrow, happiness, suffering, and sorrow. God providentially leads preacher to that passage of Scripture which is most fitting for his people. And so it is with our text this morning. For it wasn't solely the world's abuse and misinterpretation of this divine event which led me to its divine truth. But the sad reminder this past week how one can be spoiled, seduced through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Again, this last week I was reminded by the news of one which at one time, boldly professed Christ, yet now appeared to be indifferent towards the things of God, while still professing a vain and fruitless profession of faith in Christ. Deception is a strong enemy. As a matter of fact, 
that Christ's first exhortation concerning the sign of his coming and the end of the world, Matthew 24, would be that we take heed that no man deceive us, proves the great measure and level of deception which shall accompany these last days. Christ, even in that same 24th chapter of Matthew, said, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. And beloved, in, uh, even though it might give the appearance of me being very controversial and divisive, uh, I would like to say that I believe that how the world chooses to celebrate the 25th of December every year has greatly contributed to the level of deception. And that which makes this manner of deception so very, very dangerous is that its intentions appear to be good and right in the eyes of sinful man. I believe we can all, or we've all lived long enough, or most of us have lived long enough to know something of that deception. I remember growing up as a child and my family celebrating the 25th of December, and I remember all the good times and the family gathering together and the exchanging of gifts and all that and the merriment and I still to this day remember the the illusion of comfort and of joy and of even though it was short-lived we all know something of that in our past lives and there is a great deception in how the world does celebrate this 25th of December in regards to Christ's incarnation because its intentions oftentimes appear to be good and right. What's wrong with man wishing peace amongst men? There's nothing wrong with that. Christians are exhorted to seek peace and pursue it. We're called on to live in peace with all men. We're called blessed if we're peacemakers. So seeking peace is actually a Christian virtue. So what man in living in this world in some way or fashion doesn't desire some way peace amongst men? And again, that which makes it so deceptive is its intentions appear to be good and right. Proverbs will tell us there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Seemeth right. Now, don't read too quickly over that. Proverbs admits there are some that believe things to seem right. They, they actually seem to be right to them. There are many people today celebrating this 25th of December in a wrong fashion and abusing the biblical truth of Christ's incarnation, I admit, but they seem to be right to them. Christians sometimes are very arrogant with their knowledge of Scripture. When God reveals unto them divine truths, they seem to be arrogant in that knowledge and begin to abrade other people for their ignorance. It's amazing when Paul spoke to the Athenians about their worshiping an unknown God, he didn't try to destroy their altars. He didn't try to crush their idols. He didn't try to uh, have a senseless debate over their false worshiping. He said, let me proclaim unto you the God that maketh all things. He began preaching Christ. 
We waste our time when we seek to destroy their altars and crush their idols and have senseless debate whether they should worship God this way or that. We need to preach Christ. That's what we need to do. Preach Christ. It's amazing how Satan will use all sorts of things to confuse and confound and disturb or blind or hide the truth from sinful man. May God help us as God's children not to aid in that, but use all things that we might be able to preach Christ. I know many churches use that for an excuse during this time of the year to do the things they do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying let us seek God's grace to preach Christ. Every year at this time, the majority of the world would vainly seek to use this celebration of Christmas to create or establish some kind of peace amongst men. They think there's a secret, there's a power, there's a mystery to Christmas. They believe it holds some kind of mystical sway or power over the nations and people. They play their music and they sing their songs and they hope somehow they'll create or establish some sort of peace amongst men. Yet, as we have seen over the years, it's only for one moment, one day of the year. It's temporary. As soon as the gift exchanging is over with and the merriment is finished and the families return home, the world goes back to what it was before. There's no everlasting peace in that. Remember, Paul told the Ephesians that we too were one time ignorant of the truth. May God give us grace to uh, preach Christ. Preach the God who maketh all things. Therefore, this morning, in light of that, what's that have to all do with what I said previous? Well, when I spoke of someone being deceived, professing boldly Christ, you know how many people, my wife and I was talking this morning, how many people that uh, over the last 35, 40 years that we've crossed paths with who made bold professions of faith only now today to realize the majority of them are not walking with Christ anymore, not going to church. Some of them want nothing to do with God anymore. Uh, I've said it before. It's not the few years you you live as a Christian. It's not five or six years. Uh, where are you going to be at in 15 or 20? That's the question. Where are you going to be at in 15 or 20 years? Deception. People believing a lie. And that's what a lot of people today are going to believe. They're going to go to church. Of course, then on the other side, there's a lot of churches not even having churches today because it's Christmas. I ain't figured that one out yet. But a lot of people are going to go to church. And they're going to sit in the pew and they're going to listen to some sermon about a babe being wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and they're going to go home, 
just the same way they came in, feeling that everything's okay. And because this babe came into the world and was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, all because he came into this world, everything's okay between me and God. That's a lie and a deception. May we this morning look deeply and humbly into our text that we might, by God's grace, discover the great peace and goodwill which God, which comes only from Christ and of which our text speaks of. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Again. In verse 11, watch this, for unto you, is born this day in the city of David, the Savior. Oh, don't misunderstand me in all that. I'm not saying that December 25th was the day Christ was born. I don't believe that. Just want to make that clear. But he did come into the world. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And we stop right there just for a moment. Now, I want you to pay close attention, you this morning that are truly saved. and May God give us grace to rejoice anew over something that we have heard so many times. I can't count how many Christmases I could if I wanted to. Over the last 35 or 40 years, I've spent as a, Christ, as a Christian with the birth of Christ, Paul said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Without controversy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. If we profess to know anything about God and theology and Scripture, we could stop right there, go home, and have enough to feed on spiritually the rest of the day. God is manifested in the flesh. Sometimes we're too theological for our own good. And I'm not saying that to degrade theology. I'm simply saying that's just who we are as humans. We begin to understand something, and once we've understood something for a while, it kind of leaves us indifferent, or it doesn't impress us as much as it used to. Do you understand what this message is saying? Do you understand what the mystery of this godliness is? God was manifested in the flesh. God. I thought to myself this last few days, especially this morning, I thought, how often do I spend time contemplating this great mystery? That in the birth of Christ, God manifested Himself in flesh. God, the Creator of heaven and earth, the sovereign God, who is omnipresent and infinite, condescended and adored Himself in flesh. It's amazing. This was with out doubt the greatest event that ever happened in the history of mankind. Some would say, no, it was the crucifixion of Christ. I say, no, it was God manifesting Himself in the flesh. The 
amazing thing about this is if we know anything about depravity and sin, the amazing thing is in the words when he says, for unto you is born. <laughs> this day in the city of David, a Savior. God was manifested in the flesh, born unto us, not to judge or condemn, but born unto us, uh, a Savior, yet Lord. Again, over the years we've said that so much, we've read it so much, we've studied it, most of us, in the doctrine of theology about the Godhead and deity and When we stand up to explain it or to define it, it's almost as though we're defining a recipe for good housekeeping. Do we really understand the significance of God being manifested in the flesh? This great mystery moved a multitude of heavenly hosts to praise God. Verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly. <laughs> I, believe it was a, I believe it was a combination of verse 11 and 12. Uh, unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God manifest in the flesh, and this shall be a sign unto you. This God manifest in the flesh, you'll find as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, and the angels suddenly went, Wow! Glory to God in the highest! What a magnificent thing! That our Creator of the heaven and earth, this sovereign God, would be adorned in a body of a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, and suddenly they said, This is glorious! Never had such a thing been heard of! Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Do you realize that peace and goodwill toward men, I'm getting ahead of myself, of which they're praising God for, was absent since the day of Adam and Eve when they fell? Oh, there was no peace in the world, no goodwill toward men until God manifested himself in the flesh. And the angels looked, and they looked upon this babe, humbly wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And the angels said, this is the most magnificent thing. This is, the most, this is even more magnificent than revelations when they fall down, and for 24 hours a day, sing holy, holy, holy unto the Lord God Almighty. This is something magnificent. God is manifested in the flesh. He's come to dwell amongst men. Not as a judge. Not to condemn. But he's come as a savior. Can you imagine 
what the angels thought while all this was taking place. They've seen something that they've never seen before in eternity. Though born a babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, yet he is still God in the highest. This is what the majority of people will miss today in their so-called Christmas message. They'll see a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes that's lying in a manger and say, okay, God has come into the world in the flesh. Okay, good, we're fine with that. And because of that, all mankind is safe and well and good because of this heralding of Christ coming into the world. They miss the very point that this child, which was wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, is still God in the highest. He's still God. Sinful man during this time of year has no problem singing about a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. There's no danger, there's no threat, there's no accountability as long as he remains a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's innocent. I'm not threatened. There's no accountability. He's a babe. They betray Christ because he was a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes they betray Christ as being something innocent and non-threatening, and therefore they have no accountability. He's come for me. They make it all about themselves. But even the songs they sing, glory to God, not, it, he came for the glory of God. You see, it's the glory of God in the highest. It's to the glory of God is why he came. Again, I remind you, and I've said that many, many times over the past few years, but everything is done to the glory of God. The well-being of man, yes, God uh, is gracious and merciful, and we'll see that in a few minutes according to the ten mercy of our God, but it all is to the glory of God. Pay heed to the message of the angel of the Lord and the praises of the multitude of heavenly hosts. Look at this, verse 11 again. Just bring it back to your memory. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. Someone who redeems. You're in trouble. Somebody needs to help you. A Savior needs to be redeemed for your sins, which is Christ the Lord. He's Lord. Verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. That old hymn, Veiled in Flesh, Veiled in Flesh, the Godhead see. You see, that's not what a lot of people are going to see today. They're not going to see the Godhead veiled in flesh. Not really. What's the effects? What's the fruits of seeing the Godhead veiled in flesh? Well, he's God. And I'm nobody. He's God and I'm nothing. He's God and I'm a sinner. They're not going to see that. They're going to see a babe. They're not listening to the message of the angel of the Lord. They're not listening to the praises of the multitude. They're looking at verse 12. They're looking simply at a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see hail the incarnate. 
incarnate deity. Look over in Matthew chapter 1, very well-known passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23. Again, now the birth of Jesus Christ on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That right there should make a stop. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to put her, uh, make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Again. Mm. Immaculate conception. Very humbling. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Savior. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Savior, Christ the Lord. Isaiah 9, 6 said this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's the message of itself. A child is born, a son is given. Which son is giving? The son of God. Who is this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger? It's none other but the son of God. God manifest in the flesh. They're not going to see that in most so-called churches today. The idea that God would even condescend to become flesh and dwell amongst men is most humbling of itself when you think about it. Though a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, yet he was, he is still God. You say, oh, I understand that. <laughs> Do we really? How does it affect us when we think about that in regards to our own salvation? You know, I believe so many Christians busy themselves so much in trying to tear down the world's idea of what the birth of Christ entails on December 25th that they totally ignore and forget the amazing, wonderful truths of Christ's birth in regards to their own salvation. And we spend more time complaining and arguing and rather than examining it for ourselves in the light of our own salvation. His incarnation did not erase or expunge his deity. He's still Lord. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 76. Speaking about John the Baptist, listen to this. Speaking about John the Baptist... Luke one seventy six, and thou child shalt be called the prophet of the highest. Uh, didn't he just say that uh, glory to God in the highest? Again, very humbling. And thou child shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. Watch this to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. They're not going to see that this morning. 
in this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Their need for remission of sins. They're not going to see that he came into this world, manifested himself in flesh because we have need of a savior. You need to be saved. This isn't some fuzzy, warm story that you can talk about and you go home and you feel good inside about it and then the next day your life continues the way it was. No, that's deception. He was born in this world because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. He was born in this world that we might have remission of our sins. They're not going to see that. So they're going to think everything is fine. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Why has he visited us? To give light to them that sit in darkness. They're not going to believe they're sitting in darkness. They're going to believe this morning, after they leave their so-called churches, that they're in light. And that because this baby came into this world, I'm okay. No, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to give to guide our feet into the way of peace. You notice how he says to give knowledge of salvation unto his people? By. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Knowledge of salvation. How? By the remission of their sins. That little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes that a lot of people this morning are to look upon and see no threat, no danger, no... That same baby ended up going to the cross and dying for their sins, suffering under the wrath of God, our sins laid upon Him, and will one day come back and judge the world in righteousness. They don't look that far. That's why this time of the year, December 25th, I believe to be the greatest deception... Satan has ever come up with. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is different. They try to hide it under the Easter bunny, but it's a little bit different. A lot of people's not so warm and fuzzy about that, but come Christmas, oh man, I'm telling you. It's not about I'm dreaming of a white Christmas or jingle bells, or chestnuts roasting on an open fire, or I'll be home for Christmas, or Christmas tree. It's not about miracle on 34th Street. It probably tells my age right there. Or it's a wonderful life. The world, in this time of the year, tries to make everybody feel warm and fuzzy inside but they never come to see Christ who he really is. They only see an innocent-looking child wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They don't see what our text exhorts them to see. All these things are sinful man's way of celebrating Christmas by about making it all about himself. Now watch this. I won't keep you too much longer. Now watch what happens here. I want you to see this in the 14th verse of chapter 2. When the heavenly host suddenly... Now I want you to understand, suddenly there was with the angel. The angel standing there already. An angel itself would be awe-inspiring, wouldn't it? 
but it says, there was with the angel, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now, I don't know what that multitude of heavenly hosts consisted of. Cherubims, seraphims, I have no idea. Angels, of course, must have been immaculate, must have been indescribable. But as soon as he declares that this God manifested in the flesh is seen in this child wrapped in swaddling clothes, they begin to burst out in praise, and they're praising God. They're not praising man. They're not giving man the glory. They're not... No, they're praising God and praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. You know what that means in the highest? The supreme being. They're saying this might be a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, but this is still the God in the highest, the supreme being. The almighty, sovereign, infinite, eternal, omnipresent God. He's not going to be portrayed like that in many churches today, so-called churches. They're not going to see any need of them to believe in this Christ for remission of sins. They're not going to see any need for them to know this Christ in a saving manner. They're going to go home thinking that everything is okay. And then next year they'll be back to do the same thing. Look what they've done with this type of season. Look at what Satan has done with this divine truth. Now, hopefully we all understand Christ was not born in December. I'm not going to debate that. That's right now not the subject of my message. But look what the world has done with this divine truth. People hustling, bustling, and going out and buying gifts and spending money and making merry. Even I believe during World War One, I, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, when the Germans were fighting, I think against the French, I might have the story mixed up, but it's true, on Christmas Eve during the war, the Germans started singing Silent Night. And then the French or the Englishmen started singing Silent Night along with them. And they said there was such great harmony that night and everybody had laid down their weapons and they were all singing and it was a, there was a mystical power of the Christmas spirit and all that baloney and illusion. What happened the next day? They picked back up their weapons and they began killing each other. It's all an illusion. Lord willing, next week, first day of the year, New Year, I want to kind of hit on, or at least examine more in Scripture, the delusion and deception of which Christ speaks of. Because, beloved, I'm telling you, a lot of people are deceived. Like I said, when I began this sermon, uh, this sermon actually came about for the fact that I heard the news of someone that I know that once boldly professed Christ, yet now shows very little interest and are very indifferent towards the things of God, yet they still believe themselves to be fine. You know, people have been deceived into believing a lie. Listen to me. Christmas is one of the greatest deceptions of Satan. 
because it makes people believe that everything between them and God is okay because of this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. They're not listening to the text. They're not hearing the message of the angel. They're not listening to the praise of the hosts of the multitude of the heavenly host. They're simply looking to this baby, hoping and praying that everything will be kind. And I believe there's a lot of simple-hearted folks who are just simply deceived by this. I, at one time in my life, was one of those. I thought it was perfectly normal. And that this, there was something mystical and magical about Christmas. That's what I was taught. They see a way that seemeth right to them. It seemeth right to them. They're not trying purposely. Listen to me, I know some are. I'm not saying that. But there's a multitude of people that are not trying to rest or corrupt the divine truth of Christ's incarnation. They seem, they look at this way and it seemeth to be right to them. The Athenians worshipped an unknown God. They thought they were sincere in doing that. They thought their altar was good. Their intentions were good. Paul didn't go in and try, like I said, try to destroy and crush their idols and their altar and debate with them senselessly about their false worship. He went in and he said, let me declare unto you this unknown God. And he began preaching. As Christians... Like all things concerning God's truth, and listen to me as I wind this down, is all things concerning God's truth, unless God's truth has an effective working power, an effectual working in our own hearts, we're never going to be able to tell people convincingly the truth of God. Do you know that? Did not our hearts stir within us when he opened us the Scriptures When we, dearly beloved, and it was told unto them. Isn't that amazing? Herod hated the birth of Christ. The Jews rejected it. The shepherds adored and praised it. And Mary kept it to herself. When the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, when God manifested in the flesh, came to this world, he, he didn't come into a great palace. And we all know the story. We've heard it over the years. He didn't come into a great palace. He wasn't ushered in by this multitude of hosts proclaiming throughout the world, which he could have done. Can you imagine if the whole heavens would have, around the world would have bursted out with all the angels singing about God coming into the... He didn't do that. He didn't reveal himself to the rich, the wealthy, the wise. He revealed himself to poor shepherds out in the fields. It's amazing how God works about our salvation, isn't it? It's amazing. And all of these things in this text about the birth of Christ, we would read it, pray over it, meditate upon it. We'd say a lot of it has to do with our own salvation. In most cases, Christ didn't come to your eye and bolt of lightning, skies lit up. No, as the shepherds, he came to us as individuals one-on-one, drawing us by his love and affection. He shall save his people from their sins. Isn't that amazing? 
There's so much more that we have yet to learn about the birth of Christ, and we should. Don't let the world discourage you by neglecting this and not even speaking of it. I've known some churches that refuse at all on this day of the year to preach anything on Christ's birth because the world abuses it, but then they never preach on it throughout the year either. Don't let the world take something from us that belongs to us. They might abuse it. What's new? They always abuse the Word of God. They always misuse it and misinterpret it. Be careful. Be careful. Amen. That we stay close to God, but also always reverence every passage of Scripture, regardless of how the church or how the world, I'm sorry, how the world abuses it. Let us be reminded that God was manifested in the flesh. And thus, a child is born. And thus, a son is given. That we might receive the remission of sins by the tender mercies of our God. What a wonderful truth. Amen. That's thanking for it throughout the year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you now, Lord, for your word. We thank you, dear God, for your grace and your mercy. And Father, Lord, we pray for all of those that might listen to this message, Lord, on the internet or wherever. We pray that, Father, Lord, you'd open up their eyes, that they might see more than just a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. But, Lord, may they hear the message of the angel of the Lord and the praises of the multitude of heavenly hosts. May they, dear God, see God manifest in the flesh, Christ coming into the world as a Savior for the remission of our sins. Dear God, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to ever hold this divine truth of your incarnation in high esteem in our own hearts and minds. Lord, let us not allow the world, though they corrupt and abuse it, to steal it from us, to rob it, rob us of the truth. Help us, Lord God, that we would always long to know more of it. Father, we love you and thank you for all things. Pray now that you'd be honored and glorified and always say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.